God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jed Harris was a, uh, a play producer back not, almost 100 years ago now. He did some of the most famous Broadway productions. Uh, Thornton Wilder's uh, Our Town, that's kind of a, a rough little uh, play if you ever saw it. But uh, in the middle of the, seas uh, the season where he was doing Our Town, uh, he started having some dilemmas because he'd been doing this for some time now. His hearing started going out. He wasn't able to hear anymore. Everybody around him was talking to him about very important details on this very, uh, uh, you know, stressful season that they were going through on Broadway. And he wasn't listening. He wasn't hearing all the details. And some things were getting past him. So he thought, man, I better get some help here. So he goes to this renowned audiologist and uh, says, hey, you got to help me out here. This is really getting to be a problem. I'm not getting uh, some of my most important details for the season for the plays going down as, like they should. Well, the audiologist did all his fancy tests. You know, this is a hundred years ago, but still pretty sophisticated. Ninety years ago, still fairly sophisticated. And uh, the audiologist shakes his head and he takes out of his vest pocket a uh, fancy, expensive um, gold-plated watch, you know, pocket watch. And he puts it up to Harris's ear and he says, uh, can you hear that? And he said, yeah, it's loud. And he said, and he goes to the, the door over where his office is over there. And he says, can you hear it still? And, and he said, yeah, it's just fine. It's audible. And he goes into his office and Harris is still here. And he says, can you hear it still? And he said, uh, Harris said, yeah, I can hear it just fine. He, <laughs> The audiologist comes stalking back into the room and says, you know, you have got a condition that is get, becoming more and more common, unfortunately. Uh, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. It's with successful people like yourself, you have just chosen not to listen. He, he turned his ears off when people are talking to him. And... Uh, if you can't relate to that, then uh, you might want to check your bloodstream and see if you've got red blood, because the rest of us have a little trouble with listening. Well, there are uh, things about listening that are, you know, they're really obvious. And, and by gum, if the obvious sometimes doesn't need to be repeated from time to time. Hearing is not listening. Sounds bouncing off our eardrums isn't especially listening. Uh, there's, there's this listening, there's this hearing we do, like this, this system that's keeping us warm. If I stop and think, hey, you hear that sound? It's coming through the vents, the, the wind coming through the vents. Um, you, you, you could listen closely enough and maybe even hear some road noise out there or, or um, other things going on that you really don't want to focus your attention on. And if, if uh, worse comes to worse, mental illnesses uh, are, some, several mental illnesses are categorized, are characteristic, this is characteristic of them, where you, the person just can't filter out all the sounds and all of them are hitting them all at once and they just can't really um, 
relax or focus on what really their attention should be focused on. Hearing is, listening is not just hearing. Listening is also not, uh, when we listen to someone, actually automatically agreeing with them. Someone has a different opinion on a political, and we don't agree with them, but maybe we don't have to tear them down as a human being. We can still honor and respect them as a person, even though we disagree with what they have to say. Uh, there's uh, something in our human nature that does some really difficult stuff when we let our human nature run amok, so to speak. We rip our enemies to shreds, and that is not what Jesus said to do. Love your enemies. Don't do that. Don't follow your human nature. Honor and respect those who are of a different opinion. Don't think you have to be, that you have to agree with them or forced to kowtow to their ideas, but you don't have to really um, uh, listen to them in that sense. But then there's this listening <coughs> that Nathaniel did. Nathaniel, he's the skeptic, isn't he? Uh, Philip goes to him after Jesus has called Philip. By the way, the technical term that Jesus uses with Philip, he says, follow me. He, he isn't telling him, hey, I'm, I, I, uh, I'll show you where the... I'll, I'll show you where the bagel shop is if you'll follow me down here. It's, it's a technical term that a rabbi uses when he chooses his student, his disciple. He has now categorized him as, now you follow me and you be one of my disciples. Philip goes immediately because he respects Nathaniel, it appears, and he says to Nathaniel, we have found the Messiah, the one that Moses talked about in the law, the one that the prophets talked about. you gotta, you got to see this. And Nathaniel, um, he's pretty funny. He said, what? What? can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can, can anything good come out of Copper's Cove? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Can we really trust what he's saying, Philip, Nathaniel says? And instead of Nathaniel saying, I don't, I'm, I don't buy any of this, I don't want to hear this, he, uh, he res his response to Philip's, you got to come and see for yourself if you're going to act like that. I put those words in that real life. You're going to act like that. You, you come and see for yourself. And he comes to see. He listened. He waited to, to pass judgment. He waited to jump to conclusions. He goes and sees. And... Uh, what an amazing encounter he has with Jesus because he went ahead and he listened. He just paused from his, act, his, his robust activities of the mind and listened for a second. What a concept for the human being. Slow down and listen. Well, I think it's very important for us to appreciate what's going on with poor Samuel at the age of it appears as though 12 years old. He led the children of Israel after this for 40 years after Eli dies. Eli dies pretty quickly after this. And the Ark of the, his two sons, the priests, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken by the Philistines. 
uh, pretty bad stuff. And and uh, Samuel, a twelve-year-old, leads them, leads this great nation of Israel. After that, so um, one more time, for two times the Lord has called Samuel. Samuel is right on the edge of the door leading into the holy place. Not the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant, but the holy place where the priests could go in and minister to the Lord and offer sacrifice. He's sleeping there on a mat there. The third time after Eli is annoyed that he's getting his sleep disturbed by this little, punky little Samuel. All right, you, next time he says, he calls you, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is holy. Moly, hold on before you, we go too fast with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm ready to take in what, go, what you're about to tell me. By the way, the Lord tells him some really raunchy stuff. He tells him. The two sons of Eli are going to be killed in battle. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is going to be taken by the Philistines because of foolishness going on here. I can't stop my brain sometimes from throwing side notes in. But, so i got to tell you what just interrupted my thinking here. You know uh, this movie um, where the Headless Horseman, the, the play... What's the movie called? Uh, the, the, maybe it's called The Headless Horseman. I guess it's called that. But uh, the character that's uh, being haunted by the Headless Horseman is, what's his first name? Ichabod. Remember Ichabod Crane? <laughs> his name comes from uh, Phineas uh, is one of the sons of Eli that's killed, and his wife gives birth out of sheer... Uh, stress and exasperation, and she gives him that name, Ichabod. We've lost all hope. All hope is gone is the most literal translation of Ichabod. All hope is gone, and God says, it'd be good for you to listen here, <laughs> Samuel, because you're going to be leading at 12 years old this people who has lost all hope. Well, here now uh, that the uh, passage continues, the, the word of the Lord was rare during those times. Not much prophecy was going on. Why? Because the children of Israel were letting the people around them influence them by their false gods. Even Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were doing dastardly things that they shouldn't have been doing, Jesus does something similar to us in Revelation, to John, first of all, and now to us. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if uh, you come and open the door to me, I will come in and I will have supper with you. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a meal together. How's that sound to you? And I think that'd be nice, real nice. Open to me and see what wonders you can, you can be introduced to, Samuel. Open the door to me and open my word before you, 
my children, and see what wonders you can be introduced to and cause your life to flourish. Look at all this good stuff. The epitome of this listening is uh, what Jesus says to Nathaniel. Yeah, you, you're very excited that I saw you before Philip went to tell you about me. You, I saw you under the fig tree. That got you recognizing the authority here, recognizing that I, that I am the Son of God, the Son of Man. He uses the way Daniel the Holy Spirit in Daniel portrays it. That's great. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I guarantee you, truly, truly, I see that's, that's, that's the words we use in English, amen and amen. I tell you, um, you'll see greater things than this. You'll see the Son of Man. We've got to pay attention to what he's saying here. Uh, got to be a Jew for a second. I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, you'll see... The angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on me. What's he talking about? This is the description of Jacob at Bethel, at Bethel. When this, remember, he's about to meet his brother again after he's cheated his brother out of his head. He's about to think he's about to die, and God's shows him that vision of a connection between heaven and earth. And in this case, Nathaniel, Philip is listening, probably Andrew and James, uh, Peter. In this case, they're descending and lighting on the Son of Man. My goodness. You want to know what this connection, this listening is all about? Listen to what I'm telling you by my life, by what I do with my life and death and resurrection. I want to connect with you. This connection now is for us and for our children, the Scripture says. So listening is not just letting um, sound waves vibrate our eardrums and all those mechanisms inside our ears. Listening is actually pausing for a second and taking it in. The, um, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, the biological son of Mary and Joseph James, his, his letter, uh, pretty quickly into his letter, he says, I want you, verse 19, uh, I want you to be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I want you to, the first thing, working against every instinct you have as a human being, you want to talk first. You want to, you want to let things go flying out of your mouth. I'm telling you, the first thing I want for you is to listen. Be quick to listen. Go counter to that human sinful nature of yours. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Uh, Will Rogers was the uh, poet lariat of the U.S. back in the 1920s, 30s maybe. I wasn't there. He, uh, one of his favorite quotes of his that I like so much is, never miss a good chance to shut up. Not just be quiet, 
But yeah, you, if you're talking, you're not going to be receiving. Listen to what somebody else has to say. Now in school, they, you know, we had to sit through those annoying classes called, in communication class called active listening. What an annoying set of courses that given. You're not going to actually tell me to show me how to actually do what I should be doing already and stop talking, but also, and it just dawned on me, I, I, many of you know I was an army chaplain for about 27 years, and, and I, I, it dawned on me, I was so proud of myself, uh, I, and I didn't get puffed up about that, I, I'm a really good chaplain, it finally dawned on me, because I learned the trick of shutting up inside, shutting my brain off, and listening to what the other person is saying. And when I started letting intrusive thoughts in, I'd start saying, hey, wait a minute, I get letting intrusive thoughts in. Let me, let me just turn this little brain of mine off and listen to you some more. What an amazing inroad into letting the gospel penetrate people where they needed it instead of me making it up in my little Texas brain for crying out loud. What it declares to a person when we actually, well, let's do the, let's do the communication 101 active listening course. No, no extra charge, by the way. Here's what you do. That one person speaks two paragraphs, three at the most, two paragraphs. No, 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 two paragraphs. Don't, don't speak three. Two paragraphs, and there's a pause. And if the other person who has received those two paragraphs immediately starts talking, the rules are off. It, it's over with. No, you weren't listening. Because if you're immediately ready to respond, you weren't taking it all in. Pause. Breathe. Take a sip of coffee. Now let me hear what you, let me tell you what I thought you said. Is that right? Isn't that annoying? <laughs> it's perfect. Because it says to that other person, I value you. I value what you have to say, so I value you. And I acknowledge that I am not perfect. And what I was about to think about until I, by the Holy Spirit, stopped my, my yakking trap for a second, my intrusive thoughts, uh, I didn't do it because uh, I honor what you have to say. And I appreciate that uh, uh, you recognize that I don't value myself more then I value you. I'm not putting myself down and acting like I don't have something to say. I'm saying you do. And when we honor someone like that, when we open our very souls up to someone like that, it's like the surgeon who opens our breastbone up to do open heart surgery on us. <laughs> For crying out loud, it would be very unkind of him or her to reach down there while the staff is watching uh, to see this open heart, this heart beating in front of them and him thinking it would be cute and funny to reach down and thump that heart just for a joke. Well, that's what we do when we, we our, our loved one or someone we know and we're trying to talk to says something to us and instead of us honoring them, and what they said, we say, yeah, but. 
you know, if we could just get that combination of words out of our vocabulary and flush it where it belongs, we'd be better off. We'd be a little more in tune to the Holy Spirit, I think. Yeah, but nothing. Yes. And that might be a good, a good replacement of that. Well, the um, fact is, um, when we recognize that we value other people, when we, we tell them they're important, what we do is emulate God. He, all of a sudden, <laughs> we realize He wants to listen to us. He wants to hear what's going on with us. The children of Israel, Exodus chapter 3, they're all of a sudden in slavery after all these years of favor in Egypt. Now they're in slavery. Their taskmasters are treating them horribly. And all of a sudden their cries go out to God. <laughs> and this chokes me up or something. <laughs> and the, the old original language says, and he, he, tur he turned his head their direction. <laughs> it's a, you can almost hear the creaking of ancient hinges. <laughs> he turned their direction. They caught his attention. Their cries were valuable to him. It has come to my attention, Moses, and it matters to me. The um, admonition of Jesus is, um, this, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, but he says, I'm going to read it verbatim because I love it so much. You, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, who so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not also clothe you, O you of little faith? He is intimately interested in what's going on with us. He gets on to people as the Gospels progress, especially Mark, but all the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, he gets on to people for getting all too excited about the feeding of 5,000 people, the healing of all these people who are sick, horrible diseases. He gets on to them if they don't get what's really important here and what's most important, what he's come to do, what he's come to do for them. This could tell us something about the next time we receive what is called the Aaronic blessing. The blessing of Aaron, Moses', Moses brother, right? God says to Aaron, here's the blessing I want you to give to it. And you all know it by heart. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. The Lord, <laughs> I just can't wait to be in that throne room in heaven and all of the cares of this world have passed away and all of a sudden the face of Jesus turned my way <laughs> and He stops right there. Well, okay, I've got His attention. What is the difference between that one, that image in my 
in our hearts right now. And right now, our eyes are just a little dim. <laughs> we just don't have a full focus. Um, James, again, says it. We see dimly now, but then we're going to see face to face. We're going to get a full picture. Well, the, uh, the, the key to listening to God is to be listening to what He's really saying to us. And sometimes He says some rough stuff. Didn't He say some rough stuff to Samuel? Tell Eli that his sons are about to be killed. That the Ark of the Covenant is about to be stolen. Why is He telling this horrible stuff? Well, you're running down this path at a breakneck speed into a brick wall. Children of Israel, please stop running that way. You're going to smash your nose really bad. Not going to look like good like a Pekingese dog here. God says to us sometimes, here's what I want because I want fellowship with you. He wanted fellowship with Adam and Eve. He wanted to walk with them in the garden with his evening, in his evening stroll. He wanted that. And Adam and Eve said, well, thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> Take it back. God says, I still want it. You still want it after this? I still want it so much I'm going to send my own son to right what you've wronged, to make your lives complete. I still want that fellowship. He listens to us and He meets us in our needs and He wants us to listen to Him and not make up what He's saying to us, a, 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 a life of condemnation, a life of guilt, a life of shame, but a life instead of forgiveness and love, an abundant life. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Paul says, hey, I uh, if... Romans 8. He that, uh, he that did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us all things? He hears the cries of our hearts. He knows those deep needs. He knows all the horrible things that sometimes in our lives we go through and the everyday things we go through. And instead of the screamings and yellings on our part, that all he listens to, he knows what we need. And it matters to him. And he turns his face our direction. And he calls on us to have eternal fellowship with him. When is it time to listen? High time all the time. Someday we're going to start listening. Well, <laughs> let's just call today someday. Start listening to a loving God who just can't get enough of fellowship with us. For Christ's sake, our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.